We would like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Preborn. When a mother meets her baby on ultrasound and hears their heartbeat, it's a divine connection. And the majority of the time, she'll choose life. But they can't do it without our help. Preborn needs us, the pro-life community, to come alongside them. One ultrasound is just $28. To donate, dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby or visit preborn.com. Com. It's Fire Away Friday. Fire Away Friday. On Exploring the Word, this is your chance to ask us your Bible question at 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840. You can also email your question at word at AFR.net or visit Facebook.com slash Exploring the Word. Exploring the Word. It's Fire Away Friday on American Family Radio. Welcome to Fireway Friday. This is Exploring the Word. Alex McFarland, Bert Harper. You are listening to the American Family Radio Network. And every day of the week is special when we're reading the scriptures. But we think Fridays are especially exciting because we take questions. If you've ever wanted to raise your hand during a sermon, now's your chance. And I'm going to give the number where you can call in with any Bible question. And Bert Harper and I will do our best to give you a a good biblical factual answer. The number is 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840. And uh, Bert, I, I have a question for you. In the area that is now known as Cincinnati, Ohio, guess what was happening 235 years ago? Two hundred. It's not the first baseball game. Let me see. <laughs> no. Uh, well, the, the reason I say Reds that the were first, older than we thought. Yeah, the, uh, the first baseball game press was played there. Let me see. Two hundred and thirty. It was there was the was a revival, a camp meeting going on. What was going on, Alex? I don't know. Well, um, probably a revival, but a church was started called Landmark okay. Baptist Church. Okay. In seventeen eighty nine, and I have the privilege uh, exploring the word at least my side of the microphone, is coming to you from Landmark Baptist Church, where wow. I've got the privilege of, of preaching tonight, tomorrow, Sunday. And uh, folks, if you happen to be in the Cincinnati area, come on over to Landmark Baptist Church. And uh, Pastor Matt Holman, just one of the greatest friends I have in the ministry, he's an amazing man of God, and this is a great, great church. And we're going to have a big weekend here in Cincinnati. So 200 in what now? How many years? Well, uh, 1789. So as, as I, my math says that's 235 years ago. Yeah. Wow. That is amazing. That has to be one of the earlier churches in Ohio in that region. It was, uh, that was wilderness area in those years, Alex. Exactly. Exactly. You know, um, the Northwest territory, uh, there's a lot of interesting stuff about in early America, uh, the Northwest Ordinance, among other things, uh, and it called for the abolition of slavery, but also that all children must be taught to read. And there was something, now this is going to sound unusual to our ears, the old deluder Satan law. Oh, yes. Now, what is that? Yeah. Satan deludes people. And the, the mandate that all children be taught to read in the, the Northwest Territory was so that they could read the Word of God, Bert. 
Amen. and ultimately be yep. born again. Yeah, I heard the main reason that we had so many of our founding fathers promoting public education was because of reading the Bible, and they added to it the Constitution. And when Amen. you put those two together, uh, I love it because uh, that will make great, great citizens, someone that knows the Word of God, lives the Word of God, and then knows the Constitution. I want to just tell you, uh, they make good citizens. Uh, they don't. They can call them Christian nationalists all they want to. No, they just make good citizens and uh, yeah. good Christian citizens at that. Alex, I Amen. want to tell you one more thing before we go to the phone calls, and we've got people lined up, and I won't take long. <clears throat> but last night, all over the United States, college students were meeting and praying. It was a national-wide prayer time, and uh, I'm we're close here to Starkville, Mississippi, which is uh, real close, you know, here in Tupelo, Mississippi State sure. University. And so we were looking over it today, and uh, Jan found this. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture of the students just crowding in. It's called the Chapel of Memories. It was there when I was a student there at Mississippi State for one semester. And it was filled with praising and singing the Lord and students just occupying the whole space. That took place all over the United States. People are crying Amen. out for revival. They know God must intervene if there's any hope. And so exactly. I, I told Jen, I said, I want AFR and Exploring the Word to be one of those ministries and one of those uh, groups that God uses to try to do our best to hear from God here in 2024. So I wanted to pass that Amen. on, Alex. It was exciting to see that and hear about that. Well, i, I got to tell you this, and I know we're going to go to calls. And by the way, the number is 888-589-8840. Bert, um, earlier this morning, I flew from Greensboro, North Carolina, to Cincinnati, Ohio. And just interestingly enough, the, the gentleman beside me was a young pastor. And it sounds like he's got a great, great work going on. But he was talking about reaching 20-somethings and young adults. Yes. And he said, you know... What they are crying out for is hope. And I was talking to him about, you know, biblical worldview and how, you know, 30 years ago when I was a youth pastor, a lot of young people were asking about evidence. Uh, it was very, we call it evidential. Did Jesus really rise from the grave? And is the Bible trustworthy? And, and that's important, make no mistake. But today, we, this pastor and I were talking about how it's not so much evidential but emotional because a lot of people come from a place of pain or brokenness, and they want to know, does God really care? Yeah. And we were talking about how if you give people hope, and yes, in Jesus there's rock-solid hope, they, they open up to the gospel. And I just want to begin by saying to everybody listening, no matter what you've been through, no matter what life has thrown at you, and, and no matter what bad things you've done and things you wish you could undo, the beautiful thing about the gospel is Christ, he'll forgive your past. He will heal your wounds and brokenness. And you have, I'll say, hope for the future, joy for the future. Amen. I mean, they go together. They, they really yes. go together, Alex. The hope brings on the joy, and joy complements hope. Amen, Amen. brother. 
That's good stuff. Hey, listen, Alex, I want to add to that real quickly. If you noticed on the programs ever so often, we'll just be led of the Lord to ask for prayer requests or testimonies. Have you noticed during those times how much is talked about the hope and people wanting to pray that God would intervene? And so that goes along. I know it's true with the 20-somethings and the 30-somethings, but I really do believe that hope may go up a little higher in the in the age frame. Yes. And so we Amen. exploring the word. We want to be on the cutting edge of sharing hope with the world. So you ready to go to phone calls? Let's do it. Where shall we begin? Let's go to Mississippi and talk to Teresa. Teresa, thank you for calling. Thank you so much for having me call you. I, I didn't I've never been on a radio show like this and I'm really excited to hear the news. Well it's exciting um, to have I, you, Teresa. Thank you for calling. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Um, I get this on my phone, uh, this thing about biblical studies and things like that. People have questions. And it it was a question about Cain when he killed Abel and he was banished. And he went to the, the land of Nod and found a wife there. And I was wondering how that happened. Um, were they uh, all descended from Cain, uh, I mean, from uh, uh, Adam and Eve? Or did they come from the Tower of Babel? Or what was it, what caused there to be people in Nod? Okay. Uh, did he take his wife or find his wife there? I forgot how that exactly reads. Alex, do you remember? Um, you know, let me see this. Uh, this is in Genesis 4. I, I was um, taking a, be, a bet on Alex's memory. He's got such an awesome memory that I, between us both, we have 100% memory, 90% by Alex and 10% by Bert. So together we can do it. Well, but anyway. Uh, he took a wife. Yeah. Genesis 4, uh, 6 and following says that he, he took a wife. Now, I want to say what it is not. It is not that there was another race of people on the other side of the planet, you know, because Cain, well, here's the thing. It says that Adam and Eve, you know, had children and children and more and more children. And so hundreds of years had gone by because uh, Genesis 5-4 said that Adam, after he fathered Seth, were 800 years, and he had other sons and daughters. And back in Genesis 3-20, it had said that Eve was the mother of all the living. So in all of these hundreds of years, uh, there were lots of brothers and sisters and Bert, I, I realize to our 21st century thinking, this might sound unusual, but Cain married a, a distant sibling. Yeah. But in a way, we all do because we're related to Adam and Eve. But there, there was no separate race of humans evolving on the other side of the planet, and Cain bumped into an eligible female. It wasn't like that. Well, let me read uh, this, what it exactly says. It's in Genesis four sixteen. Then Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod and the east of Eden. And Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Enoch. Uh, let me just say this, Teresa. To me, you would say uh, Cain took his wife with him. It didn't say he, he knew her there. In other words, she conceived there in in the land of Nod. Uh, it didn't say it was inhabited. It did not say that she was there waiting on him. Uh, the way it reads, it probably, and the way you know it is, that he took her with him there. And it's like Alex said, a sister. Uh, Teresa, thank you for calling. And keep on studying the Word of God. 
and thank you for calling for first time and keep listening. Let's go to Kansas and talk to David. David, thank you for calling. Hey there. We sure love your show here in Kansas. Listen to you just all the time. Well, hey, listen, I love Kansas. I've been there two or three times preaching, and it's a great state. Great state. Go ahead, David. Oh, just a quick programming note. We sure would like to hear Alex play the guitar sometime here in Kansas. <laughs> but that's not my question. <laughs> well, if I get to come to Kansas, I'll bring my guitar. Well, here's what we might do. Brent, our uh, our board op or producer, he plays the drums, and Alex plays the guitar, and I play the radio. So that makes a, tr- a great threesome. But go ahead, David. Well, we were in Bible study the other night, and a question came up, and it's not earth-shattering, and I don't have to know the answer. But um, so if Jesus is fully man and fully God, would he have known, was it part of the big plan, that Judas Iscariot was going to betray him? It's sort of a pivotal pivotal moment in the story. That's the question. Great question. Let me say this and set it up, Alex. We'll have about a minute and a half to answer. But Jesus grew in favor with God and man. Jesus came here. He was a baby. He wasn't a baby saying, well, I got to act like a baby. No, he was fully God, but yet a baby. Yes, it's a mysterious. But he gained knowledge. At 12 years old, we know he knew a lot. At some point in time, I think he kept acquiring that knowledge, Alex, of, of all that God had revealed to him. Go ahead. Yeah, in Matthew 26 and John 13, Jesus uh, told the disciples, he said, one of you will betray me. Now, when, and and remember Jesus said, uh, have I not chosen you? And one of you is a devil. So exactly when Jesus knew that Judas would, would sell him out for 30 pieces of silver, you know, I don't know exactly, but yes, he did know. But Judas didn't have to do it. He chose to do it of his free will, but it wasn't that God made him do it. He he could have been good, but he turned to evil, didn't he? He did. Hey, we're going to be back with more questions. We're going to hear from uh, Chris and William and Julie. Stay tuned for more. When Antoinette found out she was pregnant, she was in a bad place. She didn't know how she could raise her child on her own. She searched for an abortion clinic, and God led her to a preborn clinic where she met her baby on ultrasound. When she saw her baby and heard the heartbeat, she broke down crying, and the nurse reminded her that babies are blessings from God. She chose life. Her daughter's name is Treasure because she is a gift from God. Back to exploring the word, Birdie and Alex on Fireway Friday. <clears throat> we're going to try to get to your call, those of you that have called in, and we're looking forward to it. But we have people live streaming, watching, and uh, some are, you know, Facebook. And Brent, we've heard some folks on Facebook even while the program's going, haven't we? I hear a lot of folks on Facebook. Uh, do you? Well, who have you heard <laughs> from that you want to report? I've got Ginger here. She she says she's listening right now. And she listens every day of the week while in the pickup line waiting to get her eight-year-old twins. God Amen. bless you both. Amen. So, Ginger, if you're listening, 
Uh, praise the Lord, and thank you for listening. And we want others and tell folks about Facebook, the apps, the whole thing, that you can listen and watch uh, Exploring the Word. Well, we've got callers, and let's go to Indiana and talk to Chris. Thank you, Chris, for calling. Hi, can you hear me? Yes, go right ahead. Yes. Okay, yes. Um, I've been in church for 50 years, and I have never heard anybody, the Arminians, I've never, Moses for most of them are, and I am not debating one way or the other. I just never heard any of them preach on Ephesians 1, 4, and 5. How do the Arminians explain that? Okay, well, let me read it first, Alex, and let me Mm -hmm. read verses 3, 4, 5, and 6 because it's kind of grouped together. And this is Paul writing to the people at Ephesus saying, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons of Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will and to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he has made us accepted in the beloved. That's the passage, Alex. Um, by the way, I'm thrilled that you're asking this question. This is really, really good because it's it's worthwhile to wrestle with some of these things that seem, from our fin- finite human perspective, almost uh, beyond comprehension. And let me, before I say too much, I want to say two things. One, I want to recommend a really, really good book by the late, great Norman Geisler, Chosen but free, published by, I believe it was Bethany House, a really good book. The other thing I want to say is this. Um, there, there was a guy, uh, Jacob Arminius, or sometimes pronounced like Jacob Arminius, and along the same time, this is during the Reformation period, so we're talking, you know, 500 years ago, there was uh, John Calvin, among others, and in general, and I'm being probably overly simplified, but... Um, In salvation, we all agree, Jesus, the Son of God, died on the cross, shed his blood to wash our sin away, rose from the dead. Now, in salvation, Calvin and generally uh, like Presbyterianism would emphasize the sovereignty of God in salvation. But Arminius, who did not deny the sovereignty of God, but maybe to a a greater degree emphasize the responsibility of man. So, Bert, let me just say before we even look at Ephesians chapter 1, we're we're all family. And uh, we shouldn't view either side as like the enemy or something like that. Because if you read scripture, clearly you you do see the providence of God. God is in control of his universe. And human free will, and and let me say, John Calvin taught that humans have free will. I, I just to make sure that I was being accurate to all this. I read Calvin's Institutes like a decade ago, and Calvin says humans have free will. Now, uh, it says in Ephesians one, uh, four, and five, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us 
unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself. Now, Bert, let, let me say this. If this were the only scripture we had on salvation, we might conclude that the saved are saved only by the foreordination of God. But I think when you've got other scriptures that talk about whosoever will may come, I honestly think whosoever will means that whosoever can, you know? Right. Now, it also says that God's will is that God, we have predestined, we, we have been predestined to be conformed to the image of Christ. That's glorification. So, Bert, I think we have to understand all the salvation scriptures in this way. God is in control. God has sovereignly decreed whosoever will may come and be saved. But he knows, because being omniscient, by definition, God knows everything he knows who will choose him and who will reject him. But I, I definitely believe that humans have free will. God offers salvation. He doesn't force it. Um, and the fact that humans have moral choice, I don't think that compromises God's sovereignty. Do you, Bert? I do not at all. I agree with you fully. Let me just quote partial two people. Uh, Dr. Adrian Rogers, who we quote quite often, he said, if you went totally on God choosing or not choosing, that's that's fatalism. In other words, nothing. That's fatalism. That's not predestination. That's fatalism. And then Charles Spurgeon, he was talking about how they work together. And we can't see it. We can't see it all the way. I understand that, how the sovereignty of God and the free will of man, but they're friends. They work together. Uh, it's a mystery. There's some mystery there. Uh, Chris, that I, no matter who tries to completely explain it, there's still a mystery. And and Charles Spurgeon used this illustration. He said, if you stand between uh, uh, at a railroad track and stand in the middle of it, you see two rails. He said, when you look at the Bible, you see the sovereignty of God, you see the free will of man. There are two rails. But he says, like a railroad track, if you can lift your eyes and see far enough down the track, far as your vision will be concerned, they become like one in your vision. That's the same way it is with God. It's beyond us to see into eternity how they come together and they work together. I not only think, Alex, I'm going to go a little further. They work together. I think they complement one another. In other Amen. words, if it was totally up to me or many and wise to get saved, it would be up to me to keep myself saved. Okay. Yeah. And and listen, he's the one that keeps us. So, Chris, I understand. Uh, but listen, we're, as Alex said to begin with, uh, listen, Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. We're saved by grace through faith, no other way. Trust him. And no matter who you are, if you've never trusted Christ, today could be your day of salvation. So we ask those that do not know Christ as Savior, call on him today. But thank you, Chris. Appreciate that. Let's go to Kentucky. Talk to Julie. Julie, welcome. Julie. Hi. Yes, go right ahead. Yes. I wonder if there are scriptures that advise against cremation as opposed to burials. Alex, hmm. for his finding question. scripture, uh, I think you would have a hard time, but we do have 
examples and tradition in the Bible, don't we? We, we do. Uh, let me say this. The Bible uh, for Christians or for anybody, the Bible does not mandate a specific mode of burial, although I, I will say that throughout history, uh, the ancient Jews and then Christians had what we call interment, you know, burial in the ground like you would think. Uh, interestingly, Christians from the earliest times of the church would want to be buried facing east because Christ will one day return in that eastern sky and the dead in Christ will rise first and meet him in the air and uh, those alive at that time too. I, I'm going to say this, Bert, and I'm only speaking for myself. Um, and I've really thought about this because as a pastor, I've had a lot of families uh, ask this question. And, you know, let, let me just be very pragmatic. Funerals can be really expensive. I, I truly think this is a matter of Christian liberty, Amen. honestly. I mean, there is the traditional burial uh, with all that involved. More and more, I've been in churches that have what we call a columbarium, you know, and people would uh, be cremated and their ashes would be put in, in a wall, maybe. And it's special and meaningful, it can be, but it's also more economical. And so Bert, uh, and it, you know, if I'm speaking out of school here, God forgive me, but I really do think it's a matter of Christian liberty and each individual family's choice. Amen. I could not agree more. Let me give you a, a hist uh, something happened in my life. I, I'd been pastoring a long time, but in the early years, I had not pastored long, and uh, we, I'd not had anybody that was cremated. The pastor, and he was also a professor at Mid-America Seminary, which is up in the Memphis, Tennessee area, uh, died, and, and Dr. Henderson, he was cremated, and I couldn't believe it. And, I, and we found out the reason was, as you said, finances. Now, he and his wife could afford it, but he had told her, said, I'd rather spend that money on sharing the gospel in Jesus Christ to missions than to be put in the ground. And that was his reasoning behind it, Alex. And so there are some yeah. reasons behind it, but it is, a, it is Christian liberty. Julie, we hope that helps. L by the way, we've got some lines open, and that number is 888-589-8840. We'd love for you to call today. Let's go to Texas and talk to William. William, thank you for calling, exploring the word. Howdy, pilgrims. Yeah. Flash disciples. Howdy, howdy. Yeah. Thank you all. Thank you all for this station because uh, it's the only one I can find the truth, you know, whether it's news <laughs> or any of y'all's programs. But um, forgive me for I, I don't want to take up too much time while I'm stroking your coot, your, your, uh, your, your ego. But this uh, <laughs> number following, I, I just received one of your. Oh man! Did we lose your money? voice? No. Was, Go ahead. Um, your voice was um, maturing. You know what I mean. It was Norm Geisler had introduced you in some. It was uh, like a conference or something. But you gave a speech on. I think it was apologetic. But I can't get enough of it. You know what I mean. I, I just I picked wow. it out of the blue. I just needed to get a CD of your voice. But uh, thank okay. you all, Bert and and Alex, for for doing what you do. Thank you, William. Listen, God bless you. I want to just you. tell you, Alex and Bert Harper are standing on the shoulders of giants, not just those that's gone before us.
that those, but those who have invested in our lives, our pastors, our parents, uh, our wives, I want to tell you, Alex, uh, it's been a journey, but we haven't made it by ourselves, have we? No, listen, I, um, <laughs> we, we are so indebted. I know Bert and I could both uh, happily do a lot of radio shows telling of the people that influenced Amen. us and invested in us. I, and I'll say this, and I give God all the glory. We just got an email right now, somebody listening, who says, I'm thankful to be a part of a ministry that stands firm on truth. And, and I will say this, uh, and Bert and I, we would agree, there's nothing, nothing good about us or special about us, but we do love the Lord. We love the Bible. We know the Bible is the Word of God. And if, if we go 50 years, I can promise you, we will endeavor to set forth the truth of God's Word. We're not going to compromise it. We're not going to water it down. We're not going to deny it. The Bible is God's word, and we stand on it, don't we? We really do. It's John 6 when Jesus had a hard say, and I won't go into it. It says, many from that day walked away and walked no more with him. And Jesus turned to those apostles and said, are you going to go away? And man, Peter did it again. He said, where would we go? You have the words of life. And that's where Alex and I are. There's nowhere else to go except the word of God that we know the God of the Word, and He loves us, He cares for us. And let's go back to the beginning. He gives us hope. And so we want to Amen. share that hope with others. Let's go to Arkansas and talk to Lee. Lee, thank you for calling Exploring the Word. Hey, guys. Um, so there was a guy that called yesterday, and um, he had a question about whether it was okay to drink. And can you hear me? Yeah, go right ahead. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and so I absolutely know the answer to that. The Lord says no, and I can tell you exactly how I found out. I was in a cemetery at by my mother's house at the time, and uh, at the time I had been riding to church with a lady that lived up the road from me, and we were riding to church in, uh, do I tell the town, or how does it go? Go ahead. Yeah. It, it was in Pine Bluff. I was in Bryant when I asked, the, I asked the Lord if it was okay for me to drink, okay? So I said, while I was drinking a beer, and so I said, Lord, you think this is okay? And, um, you know, maybe I'll just drink one or two beer. And they're pretty good, you know. Anyways, so I went on about my business, and I was riding with a lady from Bryant to Pine Bluff to church. None of the people at the church knew that I was in that cemetery drinking a beer. And I didn't tell anybody that I I didn't even tell my mama that I asked the Lord about it, okay? And so... uh and the pastor preaches the message. It was Sunday afternoon, and the pastor preached the message, and he and he told the message, and it was really good, and, and we had a confession barrel out there. It was outside. And uh, then he hands the microphone over to some lady. I never saw her before in my life. Not one time. I don't even know. I didn't even know who she was. And she gives a testimony, and she tells her testimony, and it was so amazing. I was like, yes, Lord, who is this girl? Anyways, and, and uh, then she turns around in the middle, at the end of her testimony, and she said, and you. I'm talking to you, boy. You right there. You want that drink? And uh, <laughs> yeah, she said, don't go lying now. Hey, hey mm. the Lord wow. sometimes speaks to us clearly from others. But the Word of God makes it plain in Proverbs about not being foolish and, and messing with alcohol. I'd share that with you for sure. But, Lee, we appreciate that. And we're going to come back with more here on Exploring the Word. 
Last year, because of you, Preborn's network of clinics saw over 58,000 babies saved. Thank you to all who made this possible. Let's celebrate these precious babies. American Family Radio. Connect with Alex and Bert on the Exploring the Word Facebook page and watch the latest broadcast. Facebook.com slash Exploring the Word. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Bert and Alex with you today. And we've got some people communicating with us on Facebook, and I've asked Brent to lead this one. This is a prayer request, so everybody listen and write it down. Brent, share it with us. Sean uh, on Facebook asked for prayers for his friend Brian, who is no longer a Jehovah's Witness. He is now a born-again Christian. His parents stopped Amen. talking to him, and he is sad about that, but he is uh, living for the Lord now. Amen. And we ask for Amen. prayer for yes, him. Prayer for this Brian. is Brian. So pray, Lord, Amen. I pray that you would help Brian, help him walk, uh, help Sean to be a friend that would stay close to him, get him into a strong Bible-believing church, Father, and surround him with those people that would encourage him and give him what he needs in order to grow in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. Uh, Bert, yes. I have a question for for Brent also. Go ahead. So Brent, I hope you're still. We um we have uh, Mark in Texas sent in an online question by email. First of all, he loves the bumper music and he uh, commends you for your engineering and the music choices. But Mark also wants to know who sings the song "Jesus Is Alive." That, that we play sometimes between segments. Brent, do you happen to know that offhand? That's actually Jesus is Enough, and that's going to be the Kingdom Heirs. Oh, okay. Thank you. So Mark in Texas, Jesus is Enough by the Kingdom Heirs. Amen. Yeah. I love well, the bumper you. music as well. It's hard for me to interrupt it and get started, but <laughs> <clears throat> today I did. Hey, <clears throat> with well. my voice going, we're going to go to Virginia and talk to Jonathan. Thank you, Jonathan, for calling. Hey, good talking to you, Bert and Alex. How y'all doing? Doing well. Thank you for good, calling, brother. Good. Yeah, of course. I hope y'all can hear me. I'm just coming through my work van. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, so I got a, a question out of 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 through 9. It says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So I know that God knows all things, and he knows our sins. He wants us to confess our sins. I'm just asking, how, how important is it to not only confess our sins to God, but to confess our sins to our brothers? Wow, great question. Let me jump in on this. And by the way, uh, it's funny, just this morning I was in First John because I'm working on what I'm going to teach at the Cove. I'll be at the Billy Graham Training Center July 12th through 14th teaching the book of First John. Uh, Bert, I think it's, it's very important to confess our sins to God because what we're doing when we confess our sins, uh, we're agreeing with God. And God says our sin is wrong, our sin will separate us. So when we say, Lord, I admit, you know, and, and by the way, like Billy Sunday said, the great evangelist 100 years ago, confess the specific sins. Let the Spirit of God bring things to your mind. Don't just say, and I know I've, we all pray this way, Lord, 
please forgive my sins. And he does. But, Bert, I think like David of old, like Peter when he wept after denying the Lord, I think it's important to confess the sins that the Holy Spirit of God brings to our remembrance. But as far as to each other, I want to say this, and Bert, I want you to respond. I believe in accountability. And look, I've got brothers, and Bert and I have talked with each other, and I've said, you know, please pray for me. There's this or that. Um, I do think, though, there are some things, um, and by the way, if you're going to have an accountability group or an accountability partner, it should be men with men and women with women. Because, look, uh, especially pastors, uh, I don't think a male pastor should be counseling a female alone. Uh, Now, counseling a couple, that's different. But um, generally, and this really goes back to John Wesley and his holy clubs, the the accountability where you look each other eyeball to eyeball and you're talking about your walk with the Lord, it's, you know, men with men, women with women. Um, but, Bert, I do think there, like, there are some things that ought to be just private between you and God. There are some things that ought to be very, um, you know, discreet between a husband and wife. So um, let the Holy Spirit lead, because sometimes uh, public confessions can be a little bit carnal and not spiritual sometimes too, Bert. You know what right I'm saying? Right on. I agree with you fully. Let me say this about the word confess. It means to say the same thing as. In other words, <clears throat> when we were confessor sins, we're not just saying, I've sinned. It's agreeing with God concerning that sin. If I confess my sins, I'm coming alongside God and agreeing with God that my sin, it was wrong. But also, when I've been forgiven, guess what, Alex? I'm to agree with God and receive that forgiveness that God has given me. We really cannot forgive ourselves, honestly, you know? But we can agree with God who has forgiven us and receive that forgiveness. It's so much important to receive the forgiveness of God than it is to forgive yourselves in word. So uh, we hope that helps. Uh, We appreciate you, Jonathan. Let's go to Jeremy in Illinois. Illinois? Uh, Yeah, Illinois. That's right. Jeremy, go ahead. Made sure I had the right state. How's it going? Doing good. Just want to add... To add to that previous comment, real quick, the ver- the verse right before that in John First John one seven is this is uh, if we walk in the light just as he is in the light, then we'll have fellowship with one another. So I thought that was interesting that he talked about confessing to to each other whenever that the ver- in the context it's 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 kind of already talking about that. Appreciate that, Jeremy. Good good Bible study, brother. Go ahead. Um, so my question is, um, ironically. Um, I was listening about the same time the other guy was yesterday. Um, uh, uh, you, whenever they called about um, some guy called about uh, speculating about Adam and Eve, what would have happened had Adam uh, not taken the fruit? You know, and I don't don't. I'm not going to try to characterize what you guys said um, uh, exactly, uh, but I, I'm surprised that you didn't mention um, a couple other verses. And I want to quote them for you real quick and get your guys' response. Um, I think I think he said something about uh, Adam kind of being in the same boat with Eve, but um, in First Timothy two fourteen, uh, it says it says that Adam was not deceived, um, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. 
And um, also in Romans 5.14, it says, Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who is to come. And if it, I'm, to me, that's referring to Jesus, that he's a type of, of Jesus, and that's kind of the whole case that he's making in Romans 5. Um, and so I just, I'm, my speculation is, I want, you, want your re- reaction to it, is that if Adam wasn't deceived, do you think that, because this is, this is uh, uh, inspired scripture we're talking about, if Adam wasn't deceived and he was doing it knowingly, was he doing it like as a sacrifice to not, to not be without Eve? Okay, good question. Mm. <clears throat> I know he did it deliberately. Okay, Alex? Yeah. Now, his motivation, yeah. uh, I don't, I don't, I'd, I'd have a hard time putting it that he did it just so he'd be with Eve. But go ahead, Alex. Yeah, you know, the word there, uh, deceived, really means, uh, you know, deceived or or misled. So here, here's what they made. Both of them had sin. Eve uh, misquoted God, didn't, you know, trust God's word. Eve was misled by the serpent, but still had the guilt of having disobeyed God's prohibition. Don't eat the fruit of the tree in the midst of the garden. 1 Timothy 2.14 seems to indicate that Adam was not deceived, at least in the sense he, he knew that serpent was lying, and yet he sinned anyway. So that, that was, and maybe it was to placate Eve or whatever, but it, it was willful disobedience. And so the, the guilt was shared. And Bert, let me just say this too, that um, in, in marriage, most of our states, 41 of our 50 U.S. states, have what's called uh, common law property. In other words, when a husband and wife get married, everything they have is jointly owned. If a husband incurs debt, the wife is on the hook too, in most cases, because even the government views marriage as one. Okay, Adam and Eve both sinned, but because marriage, and this is why man doesn't have the right to redefine marriage, when a male and a female get married, in the eyes of God, they are one. That's why in the marriage vows we always say, what God hath joined, let not man put asunder. So they shared that guilt, didn't they? They really did. I was reading today in Numbers, about the incidental sins, but those that were done on purpose. In other words, a sacrifice was needed to be made for those that you did not even know you made, you know? So when we look at Adam and Eve, deliberate or deception, Jesus Christ's blood cleanses us from all sin. And that is the good news of Jesus Christ. Jesus being the second Adam, what we lost in Adam, we regained in Christ Jesus Jeremy, thank you for your deep thinking. And, uh, man, student of the word, we appreciate it. Let's go to Susan in Mississippi. Hey, how are you? Doing good. Thank you for calling. Good. Thank you. Um, So my question is, I belong to a uh, Baptist church. We are a lay-led congregation, and I'm on a committee. Who do I answer to? And I, I really want scripture, but wisdom would also be accepted. Okay. <clears throat> Alex, I, I, again, reading, I'm reading through the Bible, and I'm in the book of Numbers. It's amazing 
how many times God the Father told Moses to get the leaders from each one of the tribes and give them an assignment, kind of like a committee, to carry out the will of God. <clears throat> Susan, your ultimate, your, and I'm not trying to be super spiritual, your ultimate accountability partner is, is God, really is, and you're to stand on that in the Word of God. Now, other than that, you're responsible to the church. Does it go through the pastor in a Baptist church? I think it goes through his influence and his input, but not the ultimate decision. Alex, you go ahead. Yeah, you know, in Ephesians chapter 1, we had Ephesians 1 mentioned a few moments ago, but it says, Jesus is head over all things, the head of the church, which is his body. That's Ephesians 1, 22 and 23. And even in a lay-led church, and this is a form of what's called congregationalism, uh, and there are several structures on how to lead a church, and, and they all have their strengths. But even within laity, there are lay leaders. And whether it's um, maybe an executive committee within the larger group, there, there has to be accountability. But we do all things uh, open, honest, transparent with each other, but mindful that ultimately we will answer to God. That's First John 2.28. Uh, that we will see God. We don't want to meet him ashamed, but unashamed. And so to her question, ultimately, we, we answer to God, don't we, Bert? We really do. And when you look in Ephesians, and it talks about <clears throat> the husband, uh, the wife being submissive to the uh, husband, guess what it says uh, two or three verses before that, Alex? <clears throat> let's be submissive to one another. And so let's have a submissive mind no matter what. Okay, God, I'm submissive to you but I don't want to be the person that has to be, be the right guy all the time. But when God has laid something on your heart in the Word of God, stand on it and speak the truth in love. Thank you, Susan. Let's go to Tennessee and talk to Chris. Chris, welcome. This way? Yes, go right ahead, brother. Hey, uh, my, okay, Romans 6, 6, and uh, Hebrews 10, 26. Now, I'm, I'm witness to a Jew. I'm witnessing to a Jew. The problem that I see when I look across to him, I see Saul. The problem that I see, we both got the Old Testament. But his problem is he's got the Talmud, the uh, the uh, Holocaust, and all that other Jewish law. But the universal, and if you take the First John 3, 4, it tells us what the universal standard for sin is, and it's transgressing the law. Now, if you take that and you reread all what the word sin is, it'll open your eyes. Okay, Chris. Alex, you got any comment? Well, God bless you for wanting to evangelize a Jewish person. That's wonderful because they definitely need uh, Messiah, um, but it takes a lot of prayer. And let me just say this. Um, I love the Jewish people. I really do. And I think we're supposed to, like Genesis 12 says, uh, you know, bless Israel. Um, for a Jewish person to come to Messiah, it is really a work of the Holy Spirit because there's so much cultural, uh, familial and cultural pressure not to acknowledge Jesus. So 
Brother, you just keep on sharing salvation, that Jesus is the Messiah. He fulfilled all the prophecies. And that final Lamb of God, uh, that's Jesus. There is no need for any more sacrifice. And I've, Bert, I've asked several Jewish people, some of whom have come to Christ, some of whom haven't. But I'll say, if Jesus wasn't the Messiah, um, why aren't you all killing some lambs? Because, I mean, how, how do you get right with God? And we know there is no need for sacrifice because Christ is the final, complete, never again to be repeated sacrifice, isn't he? Amen. J.R., Robert, sorry we couldn't get to you today. We would love to, but we're out of time. But I want to say this. One of my very best friends is a Jew. He's come to the Lord Jesus Christ, and it was the power of a life lived in Jesus Christ, sharing it naturally, sharing it openly, and the, he, him watching and observing had a lot to do with that person coming to Christ. Alex, I just want to tell you, it's hard Amen. to beat a, a life well lived for Christ. That's one of the greatest testimonies. Now, it's it may be silent for a while, but ultimately it speaks, doesn't it? It does. Folks, LandmarkCincinnati.com. That's where I am this weekend. Come out and see us. Thanks for listening to Exploring the Word. Tell somebody about Exploring the Word, but most of all, tell everybody about Jesus. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio. We'd like to thank our sponsors, including Preborn. Preborn has rescued over 200,000 babies from abortion, and every day their network clinics rescue 200 babies. Will you join Preborn in loving and supporting young moms in crisis? Save a life today. Go to preborn.com.